Gollum looked up. A dark water was before him, and he was crawling on the ground, this way and that, doubtful of the way. Yes, they're all around us, he whispered. The Trixie lights, candles full of corpses. Yes, yes, don't heed them, don't look, don't follow them. The passage of the marshes, the two towers. Megavan and Melon, welcome back to Interesting Tales from Tolkien, a Podmoot. I'm Mel. And I'm Kristen. And this week we are covering The Two Towers, Book 4, Chapter 2, The Passage Through the Marshes. Well, Mel, I understand you have had a very specific challenge requested for your 45-second recap this week. So why don't you tell our listeners what Lincoln has asked you to do and how you've decided to respond? Yes, so in our Discord, which you should totally join, the link is in our show notes, Lincoln challenged that for my recap, I should make sure that I mention Bill the Pony and Fatty Lumpkin. And... I thought to myself, you know what, Lincoln? I'm going to do you one better. In fact, several better. I will now commence my recap. Mary's four ponies were totally like just chilling out and not like doing anything when they were taken by Mary and his friends and off onto an adventure they went. They get lost, but it's all good because they meet Fatty Lumpkin, who brings them back to the Hobbits, and the Hobbits then proceed to Bree. In Bree, those four ponies get scared away, but it's all good. They do end up eventually back with, um, oh, I've had a name blank, that guy, before going back to Bree and living good lives. Bill the Pony is rescued from Bree and goes with the companions all the way to Rivendell and then on until they get to the mines of Moria. There are no horses in our story for a while then, until... Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli come to Rohan, and Eomer gives them Arrod and Hasselhoff. They also get scared off, but they find, I don't care, Timer, I'm going, they find Shadowfax. So those horses all get together with our companions and ride to Edoras, and then on to War in Helm's Deep. Shadowfax does a lot of running around, uh, doing things for Gandalf in the night so that they win the Battle of Helm's Deep. But then they all go to Isengard as well. In Isengard, their companions pick up this weird stone, and next thing poor Shadowfax knows is he's running in the night again, carrying Gandalf and Pippin. That was super entertaining, Mel. I had no idea you were going to do your recap from the point of view of the horses. Well done. <laughs> so there, it took me a lot longer than 45 seconds because that was off the cuff. I literally just checked the Discord right before we started recording. It was like, oh. Lincoln challenged me to this. Well, I'll show you, Lincoln. (laughs) I loved it. And I feel like my well-scripted, not super well-rehearsed this week, but I I just feel like mine is going to pale by comparison, but I will do my level best on this week's chapter. Gollum leaves the hobbits quickly while singing about fishes since he can't eat Lembus. He goes off to find food and returns sounding like Yoda. There are no birds, but there are dead corpses with candles from a battle at Black Gates, elves, men, and orcs. A Nazgul spots them through the fog and the land is utterly devastated. Smeagol talks to himself about stealing the precious because she might help and Sam overhears. Fear falls on them three times, but they keep going. You definitely got it in the 30 seconds. <laughs> this 
chapter for me, and I, I did tell you, this is another chapter where I really struggle. <laughs> I, I must admit, this, this second half of The Two Towers is not my favourite parts of the story. There's some good bits, don't worry, there are bits I do enjoy, but overall... <laughs> I understand. It is a lot of walking around. And in this case, the stuff that we met, I, I have to admit, the, I was expecting these in, these to be like inferi, like where they would actually jump out of the water and do something. No, they just sort of distract you. But I mean, I guess it could have been, it was plenty dangerous, let's just say. And with that said, also, we, we don't really have any new characters. Those corpses are not really anything new. We're told they're orcs, men, and elves. Yep, they're just, they're dead. From a battle long ago. Yep. That'd be the last alliance, which we have heard about, and I'll get into that when we cover it. So these corpses, their eyes light up, and yes, they distract and tempt the people who wander through the marshes and are very dangerous. The only other possible new character is this mention of she, which we have no idea who that could possibly be. So we don't even know if it's a new character or somebody that we've run into before that Gollum is just calling she. I'm super fascinated by who that could be, but we don't get any information in this chapter. It could also be no one. Gollum doesn't seem completely sane in my book. So Gollum has like a third personality that he calls she, and he calls he, well, we, we know that he is Sauron. I think, I think she is somebody. We just don't know who it is yet. Okay. Shall we dive into this week's chapter for all that there is to discuss? <laughs> so we walk along and we get nowhere. We Okay, no, seriously, we'll talk about it. <laughs> well, we have this cute little song. Okay, it's not cute, but I like it. That Gollum sings to himself. I like it too. And it's a riddle. Yeah, he does love his riddles. A nice callback to The Hobbit. And it says words like, the cold hard lands, they bites our hands, they gnaws our feet. The rocks and stones are like old bones or bare of meat. And it's like, yeah, it's, you know, this land where there is nothing. And we also get to mention that Smeagol is just fine to stay hidden during the day because the yellow face won't see him. I love that. His name for the sun. And it was mentioned in the previous chapter that he hates the sunlight but he's not particularly fond of moonlight. He likes total darkness. Makes sense from where we first met him, way down under the Goblin Mountain. So the hobbits are hungry. And at the word hungry, a greenish light was kindled in Gollum's pale eyes. So clearly he's famished too. But all they have is Lembus. And they try to offer some to Smeagol. And it just chokes him. Dust and ashes. Smeagol can't eat that. He must starve. He just hates the elves. And I love the things he says. Smeagol smells it. Leaves out of the elf country. Gah! They stinks. He climbed those trees and he couldn't wash the smell of his hands. My nice hands. <laughs> I love that little callback. I didn't even... Well, I guess at that point in the story, we didn't even know that he had this animosity with the elves. So I just, I just imagine that whole following them through the forest and 
we're not quite sure what happened when they were in Lorien, but maybe he just kind of hung out on the river and waited for them to come back out. In any case, it was funny. Mm, he has no, yes, no love of the elves. They did hold him prisoner. They were much nicer jailers than he could have ever hoped for, but he was their prisoner in Mirkwood. And I love petty, spiteful Sam. As the hobbits <laughs> eat the lembus, Sam thought it tasted far better somehow than it had for a good while. Gollum's behaviour had made him attend to its flavour again. So then they have what looks like is going to be the nightly conversation about who's going to sleep and for how long and what the arrangements are going to be. And eventually Frodo says, none of us are getting any sleep. Just give me a couple hours. You stay watch and then wake me up. But Gollum just nods right off so far that even when Sam bends down and says fish close to his ear, I also thought that was super petty. Sam is levels of petty I can get behind. (laughs) So they sleep all the rest of the day. And when they wake up, Gollum is gone. And at first he's just beating himself up. And he says out loud, poor wretch, now I wonder where he's got to. But it's all fine. Gollum is right there. We get not far, not far, said a voice above him. Yeah, Smeagol's hungry. So he's just gone to look for some fishes. Um, Their conversation wakes up Frodo, and Frodo reassures Sam, it's just fine, he'll come back, you'll see, the promise will hold yet a while, and he won't leave his precious anyway. So it's clear even Frodo understands why Smeagol's sticking around, and it has nothing to do with the two of them. Yeah, it's all about the ring. And I love that Frodo, he knows Sam so well, and he says, don't think of any of your gaffer's hard names You were worn out, and it has turned out well. We are now both rested, and we have a hard road ahead, the worst road of all. And he keeps going and saying he doesn't know how long it will be to finish. It's taken them a long time. They've had lots of delays. And then I liked this bit. But Samwise Gamgee, my dear hobbit, indeed, Sam, my dearest hobbit, friend of friends, I do not think we need give thought to what comes after that. To do the job, as you put it, what hope is there that we ever shall? And he goes on to just reassure Sam that they now just need to take it moment by moment. And as long as they're still alive right now, everything is just fine. Because clearly this mission is well beyond what they could even hope to accomplish. And right after that, Gollum shows back up again. And he's filthy. And Sam thinks he must have been having worms or beetles or something slimy out of holes. And Gollum doesn't respond. And he washes himself up and says, Better now, are we rested, ready to go on? Nice hobbits, they sleep beautifully. Trust Smeagol now, very, very good. This is where I wrote in the margins, Yoda. Because <laughs> he totally sounds like, come, nice food, we eat. And this next line encaptures the entire chapter to me. The next stage of their journey was much the same as the last. I'm like, yes, boring. (laughs) I'm betting it's going to be a lot of that. But they keep going. And then they arrive at the edge of the bog. And as they're looking out, they see mists and smoke and dry reeds rustling and little bog pools And then this part, though, was super ominous. Far away, now almost due south, the mountain walls of Mordor loomed 
like a black bar of rugged clouds floating above a dangerous fog-bound sea. Yeah, Mordor is this ominous, like, looming presence that they're just getting closer and closer to. And it says that the hobbits were now wholly in the hands of Gollum. They did not know and could not guess in that misty light that they were in fact only just within the northern borders of the marshes, the main expanse of which lay south of them. And if the landscape itself wasn't ominous and scary enough, the fact that they now really do have to trust Gollum, that is super scary. Because we, we already can see that the little fellowship that they have made is not long for this world. And not only does it look bad, everything smells terrible. It, the smoke and the fog and the sort of acrid stuff from the bog. And I, I can't even imagine. And they're also, we find out, really close to Dagorland, which is where the Battle of the Last Alliance took place at the gates of Mordor. And it says that this place is so stony and plain that not even the elvish cloaks would have helped them there. Yeah, I had forgotten that, that the cloaks actually have some ability to camouflage. I had forgotten that bit. And so they head into the marshes and start trekking through there. And this place, there's just nothing. Dead grasses and rotting reeds loomed up in the mist like ragged shadows of long-forgotten summers. And Sam says that there's no birds. Gollum agrees as there's nice birds. He licked his teeth. No birds here. There are snakes, wormses, things in the pools, lots of things, lots of nasty things. No birds, he ended sadly. It's really a good thing Gollum is familiar with this land because otherwise they would have had no way to get through. There are mentions of him stopping and holding up his fingers to test the wind or like taking a sniff about where to go next. And Gollum is really proving useful right now. So the third day of them being with Gollum finishes up and in the marshes it becomes dark. And Sam starts to see these lights. He asks Gollum about it. And Gollum responds, the tricksy candles of corpses, yes, yes. Don't you heed them, don't look, don't follow them. And it turns out that Frodo has gotten distracted a little bit by them. And Frodo's standing there lost in thought, looking at the pale lights. His hands hung stiff at his sides. Water and slime were dripping from them. And fortunately... Sam is able to break him out of that trance and get him back on the path. Just as Sam does, he trips over. He fell and came heavily on his hands, which sank deep into sticky ooze, so his face was brought close to the surface of the dark mirror. There was a faint hiss, a noisome smell went up. The lights flickered and danced and swirled. And he looks in for a moment and then he springs back up and he says, there are dead things, dead faces in the water. And Gollum starts laughing and says, the dead marshes, yes, yes, that is their name. You should not look in when the candles are lit. And he goes on to talk about who they are, elves, men and orcs from this battle long ago at the Black Gates. I love Gollum's descriptions, all dead, all rotten, elves and men and orcs. And, yeah, he talks about it as the battle at the Black Gate and the marshes have grown and swallowed up the graves. And Sam points out that that is an age and more ago. 
and the dead can't be really there. It must be like a devilry from the Darklands. And Smeagol's like, well, who knows? You cannot reach them. You cannot touch them. We tried once. Yes, Precious, I tried. But you cannot reach them. Only shapes to see, perhaps not to touch. And he gives them one final warning not to look at the lights. Or hobbits go down to join the dead ones and light little candles. And Sam thinks that they will all turn into little golems if this goes on much longer. (laughs) I love Sam. Later on in the night, they finally reach firmer ground. And Gollum actually praises them for doing a good job following him. But he realizes they need to get farther away from the lights or Frodo will get distracted again. And he says something interesting here about the place stinking because Sam is complaining that he doesn't want to wait around there because the smell is so bad. And Gollum says, poor Smeagol smells it, but good Smeagol bears it. Helps nice master. But that's no matter. The air's moving. Change is coming. Smeagol wonders. He's not happy. So whatever else is going on in Mordor, Gollum is able to pick that up somehow. Hmm. So off they go again. More walking. More descriptions. (laughs) Until they are interrupted by a black shadow that turns out to be a Nazgul. And I didn't realize that Gollum was not aware that the wraiths can fly. And he freaks out when the Nazgul passes above them and then comes back again for a second pass. And from that time on, Sam thinks that he senses a change in Gollum. I do love Gollum's line. Raids, he wailed. Raids on wings. <laughs> like The precious is their master. That's very interesting because I thought Sauron was their master. And I'm guessing like, okay, Sauron is the master of the ring, but Sauron doesn't have the ring right now. So is that a clue that maybe the Nazgul can be swayed away from Sauron. I mean, I have no idea if that's possible, but I did wonder at that because he didn't say the Dark Lord is their master. He said the Precious is their master. Nine for mortal men doomed to die, one for the Dark Lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, One ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. You do this on dates, don't you? (laughs) And Frodo is creeped out by the Nazgul, but he's seen them a couple of times. He is far more troubled by the eye. So he called it to himself. And he is starting to feel the weight of the ring as he's been carrying it more and more. And we've had hints of this before that the ring was becoming more and more difficult and the closer they get to Orodrin, the harder it's going to be for him to carry. And so they have to wait out the night and it says, when day came at last, the hobbits were surprised to see how much closer to the ominous mountains they had already drawn. And they talk about this air being clear and cold, but the walls of Mordor are no longer cloudy and menacing at the edge of sight, and their grim black towers, they frown across the dismal waste. And they're looking around, and there is literally nothing alive. Even to the mirror of dead faces, some haggard phantom of green spring would come. But here, neither spring nor summer would ever come again. Here, nothing lived, not even the leprous growths that feed on rottenness. 
the gasping pools were choked with ash and crawling muds. And I actually thought that sounds like a description of Eastern Europe during the war Mm. when it was covered with human ash. Tolkien was heavily inspired by war, even if he kind of denied it because he doesn't like allegory. The description that I absolutely love is, they had come to the desolation that lay before Mordor, the lasting monument to the dark labours of its slaves that should endure when all their purposes were made void, a land defiled, disease beyond all healing, unless the great sea should enter in and wash it with oblivion. I just love that so much. Sam feels sick. Frodo doesn't even answer. And they're really too weary to go any further. So they cower in the bottom of this hole and they're super thirsty, but there's nothing to drink except for a little bit of water in their bottles. When they wake up again, Sam wakes up first, thinking that he's hearing Frodo, but Frodo's still asleep. Gollum is next to him. And he thinks he's trying to wake Frodo up, but it turns out Gollum is having a conversation with himself, which we were told in the last chapter that that was on a brief hiatus once he promised to help them. But clearly, we are back now with him talking to his precious self. I love this. Smeagol promised to help the master. Yes, yes, to help the master, the master of the precious. But if we was the master then we could help ourselves, yes, and still keep promises. Loophole. Well, we knew this was coming, right? I mean, you can't have the obsession of the ring and have it go away. That's not how any of this works. I mean, I know I'm new to this, but that is not how any of this works. And so he even says that he's got to be on his best behavior. Let's be good. Good as fish, sweet one, but to ourselves. I also, like, I know it's annoying as I'll get up, but I love the precious language. I just think it's brilliantly written and a wonderful way to set apart this character who is so weird but also so important. I just love the whole conversation between himself and they're talking about not hurting the hobbits, but then the voice says, He's a Baggins, my precious. Yes, a Baggins. A Baggins stole it. He found it and he said nothing, nothing. We hate Bagginses. No, not this Baggins. Yes, every Baggins. All people that keep the precious, we must have it. And he acknowledges that everyone is searching for it. The raids are searching. We must take it. And then he says, see, my precious, if we have it, then we can escape. Even from him, eh? And he can eat fish all the time. And then we get this massive breadcrumb drop, which has no payoff yet in this chapter. We want it, but, and here there was a long pause as if a new thought had wakened. Not yet, eh? Perhaps not. She might help. She might, yes. Now, who the heck is she? I know you're not going to tell me, but who is she? I really like Gollum the Great, the Gollum. Ultimate power to Gollum, moving on. So, Sam, (laughs) I'm not giving you anything. The one time I tried to give you help, you rejected it. So now, not giving you hints or anything. We just read. 
Sam doesn't even know who she is. The Dark Lord was he, of course, but Sam wondered who she was. And he realizes that he can't let Gollum know he's overheard any of this, so he sighs and gives a big yawn and asks what the time is. And Smeagol is all like, nice Hobbit, nice Sam, sleepyheads, yes, sleepyheads, leave good Smeagol to watch. <laughs> and Frodo has been asleep this whole time, but he feels refreshed and he's pleased with Gollum and even says, come, you have guided us well and faithfully. This is the last stage. Bring us to the gate. I'm guessing he means the gate of Mordor. And then I will not ask you to go further. Bring us to the gate and you may go where you wish, only not to our enemies. And I'm like, really, Frodo? You think you're going to cut him loose and he's not going to run straight to Sauron? Or straight to somebody? Actually, I think if if Smeagol does get cut loose, I think he's going right to she, whoever she is. And Gollum all of a sudden seems surprised about the gate. To the gate master says, yes, he says so, and good Smeagol does it, what is he is, uh, what he asks, oh yes, but when we get closer, we'll see, perhaps, we'll see then, it won't look nice at all, oh no, oh no. And then they start talking about, they get out of the pit, and they start going again, and there's this fear, that it's the same fear that had fallen on them when the Nazgul did its flyover earlier. And the fear falls on them third time, and Gollum is not about it. Three times he whimpered. Three times is a threat. They feel us here. They feel the precious. The precious is their master. We cannot go any further this way. No, it's no use. No use. And Frodo basically has to draw his sword or lay his hand on the hilt to get Gollum to keep walking, because Gollum is really afraid now of the Nazgul. Yep. And so ends our chapter. Character shout-out for the week. <laughs> Can you have a shout-out when nothing happens? I'm just going to give it to Sam again. <laughs> Sam gets it, like, just expect it to be Sam at all times, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you can't give it to Gollum, because everything that he's doing, he's doing in a two-faced way, trying to manipulate the outcome. Uh, Sam did seem to ask the questions at exactly the right moments. He did overhear all of the important information and he's protecting Frodo. So yeah, it's a good shout out. Good quality shout out. Kristen, are we ready for prediction versus fiction? Dun, dun, dun. So you guessed that they would go to the Dead Marshes. And that will be another uneventful chapter. <laughs> the well, two for two. Two for two. The Nazgul will do another flyover. Yes! <laughs> three for three. They would get out of the marshes and get onto the Harad Road and start heading south. They have not done that. They are headed, if you look at your map, the Black Gate is at the most northern point of Mordor. Okay, hang on. Let me look at the map here. Yeah. It's marked as, oh, I can't even read it, Meridanen, I think is how you say it. It's near Oh, I Lidoon. see. They're underneath Dagorlad, the battle plane, and then yeah. there's Morana. Yeah. Yeah, I guess my, my book is actually quite small, and now that I'm looking at it, I can see that it's drawn differently. 
And that actually, that makes sense. Why would they go through Minas Morgul where there's a big city and they could, they would just be seen and captured. It makes much more sense that they're going to sneak in. And yeah, so you guess that they would then want to go to Minas Morgul and through into Mordor that way. The chapter would finish with them on the Harad Road. And you said dead marshes equals dead plants, not people or creatures. Not going to meet anything. Maybe some orcs. <laughs> well, we kind of met dead orcs. We, we didn't really meet anything, though. There were just those lights that distracted Frodo a little bit. But definitely dead know. people and creatures. Yep. Yep. Are you ready for next week's chapter? Hit me. The Black Gate is closed. Okay, well, since that's where they're headed, and the chapter title tells us it's closed. They're going to get to the Black Gate and find it's closed. I didn't even bother to predict that. That is even too (laughs) soft a ball for me to predict. (laughs) Well, they're going to have to make a decision about what to do if they can't get through the gate. Since Frodo gave Gollum permission in this chapter to leave once they get to the gate... I can see Gollum just being like, all right, I'm piecing out and I'm going to steal the ring. So I think this is where Gollum makes a play for the ring. I don't think he's successful. And I I had predicted a couple chapters before that when Gollum makes a play for the ring, the way that they're going to get away is that Frodo has to put it on. So I think this is the chapter where Frodo puts it on. That close to mortal, brave. Well, I mean it's better than losing it to Gollum. But also I do think then that means that the eye sees them and they're that close and the eye then knows where they are. So Sauron, as of this chapter, will know where they are. We've already seen that Sam by himself is not enough to subdue Gollum even when they surprised him. So I'm thinking that Frodo gets away and tries to lead Gollum away from Sam so that Sam can ultimately catch up somehow. The Black Gate looks like it's in the middle of this mountain range. So I'm thinking that there's some more climbing. Sam does have the rope again. So maybe they're able to use the rope to escape. Just quickly, um, if you're making predictions that contradicts information we know... Do you want me to point that out or do you want me to just let you have it? No, point it out. It's helpful. Because I, I don't like I don't remember always. So I'm gonna tell you then, you said that the the eye will see them and Sauron will know where they are. We are still book uh three, so Aragorn and Co.'s story, they're in like theirs has ended in the future to where we're at now. And Sauron did not know where the ring was or anything like that when Pippin used the Palantir. That was the thing that start was they thought was going to bother Sauron is he saw a hobbit in the Palantir and was like, oh, no, does Sauron have the ring? What's going on? Hmm. Okay. It doesn't change anything else that I've predicted. I do think Frodo puts it on and... I don't think then it means that Sauron knows where they are. Like he may be just aware, kind of like at the top of whatever that was at the end of the fellowship where he had the encounter with Boromir. I I still think all of that's the same. I think Gollum makes a play for the ring. I think Frodo has to put it on to get away. 
I think somehow he and Sam are able to reunite and that they have to use that rope again. Maybe they use it to tie up Gollum this time and they just put up with him yelling about how much he is hurting because they realize that he's trying to steal the ring. Okay, so they get to the gate and may have to make a decision of what to do as they can't get in through the gate. Gollum makes a play for the ring unsuccessfully as Frodo puts the ring on. Sauron is aware that the ring is on but doesn't know where it is. Frodo gets away, leads Gollum away with him to keep Sam safe. Sam and Frodo reunite and use the rope to tie up Gollum. I'm just looking at the map here to make sure that's really what I want. If the gate is closed, I'm assuming then they have to go either over it or under it because I don't think they're going to go down to Minas Morgul. I think that's where the battle is. The battle at Minas Tirith Osgiliath. Like, I think that's where the battle is. I don't think they're going there. What is Udun? Uh, that's just a, a plane. So you've got your gate and then you've got some land and then you've got so some kind of plane and then you've got more mountains and then you're into Mordor proper. So the gate is closed. So I think they are going to have to like scale the mountains, basically. They're going to have to find a path over and onto that plane since they can't go through the gate. We don't know any more about who, quote unquote, she is. I'm hoping we find out about she. So we're only going to be up to chapter three out of ten for this, and we still have an entire another book being The Return of the King. If they're getting into Mordor so soon, what's going to delay them? I think there's probably guards at the gate or something, and there, there's there's something there that keeps them from getting through. Now, let me look again at this trusty map. Yeah, they are so far away from anything else on that side of the river. I think it's just more traveling, more walking, more trying to get through. Because, I mean, if they have to scale a mountain range or find a pathway through, that's not a one-chapter thing. They could meet some other creatures or other things. Okay. I'm going to leave those predictions as they are then. Homework for next week is to read The Black Gate is Closed. But it seems that, yeah, they have these. Really, Zara? Thank you, Tequila. Thanks for joining us. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Podmoot. Our email address is podmoot at gmail.com and our website is podmood.com. If you'd like to contact me personally, I'm at Mel Bickett on Twitter and Instagram. Kristen, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Kristen Conducts. Norvera Mellon, until we meet again. Bye, y'all.